Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's your boy, H.H. Hoffope. Hey, everyone. It's Carl. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter. That's probably the main one. Instagram, Facebook. Follow us on SoundCloud if you're listening over there. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. Shout out to all the people that recently followed on Spotify. We see you guys. And if you're on Apple, if you're on an Apple device, Apple Podcast, remember to subscribe. It's free. Like, why wouldn't you? And uh, if you want to leave a five-star review, leave a five-star review. We did get one. From Lexington, Kentucky, from an Arsenal fan, Gunners fan. Um, thanks for the work you all do. I enjoy listening to your expertise and opinions on football. Funny and informative. So thank you for that five-star review. Um, and if you want to help the show out monetarily, remember we have a Patreon page where we record 30 to 40 minutes every week. $3 a month. Not too bad. Carl, you want to give people some good news? Yeah, so uh, I've joined the Athletic full-time. Uh, sorry I haven't been around much of the summer and whatnot. The plan was I was going to take the summer of talking tactics and go finish my book. I failed in that plan because <laughs> I had to go move house. So I've left London. I've moved to Southampton. Um, and, and this season, I will be the Southampton reporter for The Athletic in The Athletic UK. So The Athletic, American right. sports company, come over to the UK. We're going to have one reporter at least on every single football club in the Premier League. They're going to write two to three articles about that football club a week. Is really the plan. They're going to watch every every game home and away of their football club. So it's going to be the weird thing where I live in Southampton, but I'll most likely see one of my co-workers on a Saturday when I'm watching Southampton play that team. Also going to have a couple of people covering the Bundesliga, so Ralph Hongsin and... Oh my uh, gosh, no, since I can actually see his name. I'm just looking at the list of journalists, man. And right there, Southampton, Kalanka. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just see because like they just show the list of all the journalists and right there you are. Damn, yeah, that's big, so we've that's big got some really, really, really big uh, journalists. James Pierce, Liam Toomey for Chelsea. David Ornstein is, is going to be joining us soon, so Arsenal fans will be well covered with Ornstein covering. Um, Amy Lawrence as well. So some people are describing it as the biggest change to sports media since digital. Um, others are describing us as upstarts. Others are describing us as bad boys. And girls, some, there are some women in the company as well. Uh, we have a dedicated full-time women's football writer, which is not the case for many publications. So yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, you can get a complimentary offer at The Athletic now. You can get a month's free trial. Uh, I've got a promo code, athletic.com slash anchor50 off. Uh, and then you get 50% off your, your year subscription. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Other than that, let's do what we always do best, which is do talking tactics and uh, get into this nitty gritty. 
that's, that's the good news. So shout out to Carl. Congratulations, bro. We're happy for you. Um, yeah. All right. So let's start with the Community Shield. I'm, I'm going to just admit now I didn't watch it. You watched the Community Shields? What happened? Um, Liverpool fans are trying to come for, for me. So <laughs> my assessment was Pep ta- tactically beat down Klopp and Man City should have won the game by three or four goals. So City totally, completely outplayed Liverpool in the first half, although Liverpool did have some good counter-attack. City were by far the better team. Second half was much more even, but I still felt that City was the slightly better team in the first half of the second half. But in the second half of the second half, Liverpool then got a lot better and then improved in the last part of, of the second half. But I think overall, I just feel City look physically better and they look much more pre- prepared for the start of the season. Now, Liverpool are missing Sadio Mane and they're playing Origi on left wing. Origi left wing doesn't work at all. doesn't work at all. And I think what you saw was their attacks were very obvious and everything was just going down um, Salah's way. So City could pretty much read what they were going to do because they gave up trying to feed Origi because he was being very ineffective. But just City's passing, their movement, De Bruyne was absolutely incredible, proving that he's a system player. And Sterling and Bernardo Silva, man, I think these guys could take their football to the next level, man. Um, they looked really, really good. And I think if Sterling improves his finishing and is just much more precise in his, in, in his finishing and just his finishing takes up at another level, bro... This dude, we have to we have to now talk about this dude really being in that high echelon of upper tier too. Is this was the community shield evidence that Liverpool indeed need to buy people? Maybe. I mean, we've been there before. I remember last year's community shield was very much uh, under strength Chelsea side with loads of players who've been away at the World Cup being held away at arm's length by a City team that just has a much deeper squad. And what have we got this? year which you know going through the match reports this morning it seems to be we had a Liverpool side which had many players tired and not at their top form because they were away for AFCON for Copa America being kept at arm's length by a Manchester City side with much greater squad depth we know this City are the best football club the best run football club in England right now they have more money uh, a larger squad and the best football manager in the world arguably and every other team needs to be at absolutely their maximum to beat them. And what happens, every, what, what will happen for future Community Shields is loads of these teams aren't going to be at their maximum because they need full, full pre-seasons to take on that City side. A number of Liverpool fans are worried about the signings or lack thereof and new replacements. Um, it's, it's that big one where they keep talking about, well, I suppose Oxley chamberlain is going to be like a new signing and they're going to wait and see. But it is a bit concerning, isn't it? Is the Community Shield the first game of this season, or is it the last game of last season? First game of the new season. Yeah. See, I, I kind of consider it the last game of the last season. No, that's but, the FA Cup. But, like, the winner of last year's Premier League and then the winner of last, last year's FA Cup, ideally, are the people who are going to play it. It's, it's almost like the last game of last season is going to be the Liverpool-Chelsea-UEFA Super Cup. No, I, I, I count it as... The first game of the new season. Like, I count the Super Cup as the first game of the European campaign. So I think I've said it two or three times. My opinion on the community shield has changed a lot recently. I'm like, no, it doesn't count. So, well, I say it doesn't count. It's a friendly. And also, after the, the post-Arsenal era of uh, community shields, it's just a lot harder to understand what's going on because City are really good. All right. What else do you want me to tell you? 
It's just like in any game that has unlimited substitutions or feels like it has unlimited substitutions, it's not a real game. If if you can substitute seven people in a game, it's not a real game. I've, for so many years, I'm still not sure how they beat because <laughs> it began as a friendly. They, when it was called the, the Chargers, it began just, yeah, just, just a friendly, just to, you know, where people's appetites before the new season. But I think as years have gone on and rivalries between teams have intensified and, and between managers and teams... I think it's become slightly much more competitive. So I think it's it's in the middle of being a friendly and a competitive game because the way that that game was played and the way we also have to talk about Pep, the way Pep was just jumping up and how intense he was, how passionate he was, and just how energetic he was. I was like, geez, like even Klopp was even sitting like, bro, calm down, just calm down, just chill, you know? But I think we just saw how intense Pep was taking it and how serious City were in that match and how Liverpool then became serious. Bro, I think it has taken much more of a more competitive edge. It depends on who's playing it, right? So, like, now that Liverpool and Man City have become the rivals for everything in England, this game means something in a sense of, like, we're gauging just how good each team is. Who did um, Man City play in the um, Wolves? Who did they play in the final? Watford. They beat him 6 Watford. Yeah, Watford. Yeah, I know it was a W team. So, if, if this was Liverpool against Watford, say... It wouldn't have the same kind of resonance, I don't think. Hope said about how animated Pep is on the sideline. He mm. seems to be particularly animated during Community Shields because no one in the City team is going to be playing at optimal condition, right? You can't be 100% in Community Shields because you're coming off your holiday still. You're probably carrying out just like an extra kilogram worth of weight. So it's no surprise Pep is at his most angry and animated in a Community Shield game. So Germany had theirs as well. Um, I did. I caught the second half, like five minutes in, and then I saw like it was just like a counter on a, off a corner i think that Bayern had and you just saw Jaden sancho just start running <laughs> it's just like yo like and i was i was half expecting manuel neuer just you know how just he comes out of nowhere from like the left side or the right side of the screen and you're just <laughs> kind of expecting like okay he's gonna come he never came he just kind of stood on his goal line and sancho hit the shot it went in two nil and borussia dortmund won the super cup i mean it's it's typical of many Bayern dortmund games Bayern being the aggressor Lots of possession and Dortmund just counter attacking them, but you can you can feel the void left from Ribery and Robin because even if they were not playing, just having them know that you could always depend upon them and them just being in the squad was always like a very calming influence for the team. Now they're not even in the squad at all. You can feel that void. And Kingsley Coman for me, he's not it. He's like very inconsistent, and I don't and I don't think that he how he can play at a level in which he can really push you towards being like a Champions League winner or really make you like a top team if he's your first choice wide man. Goretzka is functional. He's good. He's decent. He's not amazing. Muller's getting old. Lewandowski's getting old. Thiago Alcantara can't hold down that midfield by himself. Thiago Alcantara is very skilled. He needs a midfield controller in there. And I think in Dortmund, what they saw was, all right, wow, we can actually hold down this ban. I mean, even if ban... I've scored a, a few bits. Dortmund's defense has definitely improved, and this was a Dortmund side with no Togan Hazard, no Brands, no Hummels. All three of their signings didn't play, and I just think Sancho, flipping Jadon Sancho, England's most naturally talented player. Like again, look, he's not there yet. He does make many mistakes, and he still has some learning to do because he does make some basic fo- footballing mistakes. But once the guy just gets on it, he trusts in his ability and his amazing quick. Footwork, I think that the guy's amazing to watch, and like his amazing 
um, footwork control and pass to Al to um, Alcacer to put the goal in, and then he's finished through Noah's legs. I just think, like for Dortmund, if they can just get the defense right, I think Dortmund surely have to win the league this season. Barnick, I really fear for them because it seems like they don't get they don't know who they get Leroy Sane. The team needs a massive, huge, total overhaul, complete overhaul. You know, Lewandowski, Mola. Both of those guys need to be re re replaced by someone like basically a top player. Sanchez, Janabri, and Coleman. If those are your young stars you're relying on, nah, I don't know how well you can do. I'm quite annoyed that, well, irrationally annoyed. I'm like, oh, great. So the one time Dortmund get it together and beat Bayern, it's in a Super Cup rather than the game they really need to do to win the Bundesliga. So that's annoying. Uh, it's the first bit people are saying it's the first bit of silverware that Dortmund have won in two years but also you know it's a super cup you know yeah. Dortmund chief executive officer Hans Joachim Weitzer, Um basically it says some really impressive things about squad building and what you do when you have to build a squad where there is a dominant side ahead of you much in the same way that the Houston Rockets if you're a basketball fan says some really interesting things about here's how we deal with the Golden State Warriors uh, and he's basically gone, you know, Dortmund are never going to be able to outspend Bayern, but what we have to do is be more ambitious and try and outsmart them. And what they are, what they've done recently is gone, let's really reinvest back into youth. Let's ally this with some uh, more experience, all the targets. You know, Witzel was particularly uh, a vital addition to the squad last season. Almost what Ajax did last season, which is we've got all these really young, impressive generational talents, but also we've got guys like Alex Witzel, like Royce, like uh, Delaney, who are a bit older and they're going to help us secure stuff. They seem to have doubled down on that again. Uh, and they do look good. But I don't I don't trust Dortmund. Am I allowed to say that? I don't trust Dortmund. Bayern Munich are the death star of football. When Bayern Munich want to win a Bundesliga, they win a Bundesliga. That That's just the way of things. They, they have a certain inevitability to themselves. And yeah, they really do need Leroy Sané. They really do need a dependable, you don't have to waste time hoping they get good in two or three years, but they are ready now to take over. Leroy Sané would be amazing for Bayern Munich, and I'm glad that deal might not go through because the Premier League is better with Leroy Sané in it. This is the weakest Bayern Munich have looked since the Jürgen Klingsmann years of Bayern Munich, and yet I still think they're going to win the Bundesliga. <laughs> Deal. Mm. Oh, that, okay, do, just, do you have thoughts on Jaden Sancho? Just kind of like, I know you pay particular attention to like English players, so... He's the real deal so much better than I thought he would be. He's got this weird thing where he's so good, I've kind of... You know how I've spoken in this podcast about how much I have like an irrational dislike of Christian Pulisic? <laughs> yes. I've, part of it is because anytime I was like, Pulisic is good, man. if he's so good, why did Jadon Sancho bench him? The answer to that is because Jadon Sancho is a better football player because Jadon Sancho might be one of the best players in Europe already. How old is he? 18, 19? Yeah, 19. Sancho, Sancho wow. benching Pulisic has more to do with Sancho being incredible than it does with Pulisic being rubbish. That's yeah. why my hatred is irrational, wholly. <laughs> now, how good is Sancho? He's just, he's just really fucking good. All right, so let's, let's, let's get into some transfers, I guess. Like, unless, were there any other games of note that happened this yeah. week? I can't think of any. Yeah. So, all right, so yeah, transfer. So last week, we led the show with Nico Pepe might be going to Arsenal. That indeed happened. You know, you know what I'm going to do. Seeing as of all of, all of these transfers we have written down are official, I, I'm going to ask you guys to give them a grade, and then explain your grade to so Professor Carl, Professor Have Hope, um, Nico Pepe to Arsenal. What grade are you giving that? 
and don't give me like plus or minus. Just give me oh, a letter. I was, I, was, I was about to say C plus. Okay, then C. Decent, good, but he's not done anything to prove to me that like, oh, this is like a really good player that can do something. As in, he didn't impress me in the African Nations Cup. And even if you ball in the Uber Eats League on, <laughs> uh, in the Uber Eats League doesn't mean that you're going to ball in the Premier League. So, but he is good. He's good. So I'll say C as a nice average rate. You got to stop saying Uber Eats, bro. <laughs> Wait, it's officially called that. I know, but it's just disrespectful. Bro. No, well, that's the name. Like the Barclays it's Premier like, League is going to be called Uber Eats. So yeah, but Barclays is now. like a, it's like a, it's like a bank. So that's that's okay. But like Uber Eats, like, oh. it's happening. Like I didn't ask for for the sponsorship. They yeah. did. So Carl, if you had to give that a grade, what, what would you give it and why? So I'll give it a B because. I don't think they need a player in that position, but the fact they've got one of Pepe's supposed quality is really, really good. Is Pepe better than everything they've currently got? Yes. Is Pepe going to make that attack better? Yes. Could they have spent that money improving the squad elsewhere? Yes. Does it matter anyway if like a large part of Arsenal is next just outscore the opposition? Yeah, maybe. It's fine. I, I, I would give it a B, if only because you stop Liverpool from getting him. You stop Chelsea from getting him, although they had a transfer ban, so that makes it a bit weird. And two, I mean, you might say they don't need a wide player, but Half Hope always talks about Awobi being playing better centrally, Ozil yep. plays better centrally, Nikatarian's dead. As much as you could play Aubameyang out wide, really, he's a striker. So there's that. So they, they there was they they did need like a wide player. So it's a good buy, but I won't give it an A. I, I'm not going to hold Afcon too much against him because I, I know what the coach was up to. Like he was just like, let's just keep clean sheets. Let's play super defensively. He had Zaha on the bench for like the first four games. So the Ivory Coast guy, uh, shout out to local coaches, but I know what his plan is about. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I I understand. So it's not an A, but I'll give it a B. I say I say it's your account. Your account Southampton now. But uh, Harry Maguire to Manchester United, what grade are you giving that? Again, it's a B. Harry Maguire is, better, is a better defender than any defender currently in Manchester United's books. We said this about Carl Walker and whatnot. We don't know. When we said Carl Walker, 50 million, we said, and I said, or maybe it was you, I'm not going to get mad about that transfer fee because I don't know what 50 million worth of fullback looks like. It's bizarre to say this already. I'm not going to get mad at Harry Maguire because I don't know what 80 million worth of centre-back looks like. The moment Virgil van Dijk went for 75 million, he became undervalued. Like Virgil van Dijk was and is so good that if Virgil van Dijk was available again, he'd cost 200 million. What? Maybe you cost you cost you cost, you cost one forty to two hundred. You cost at least I'd say if Virgil Van Dijk was available in the transfer market again, he'd be one fifty million. No, yeah, I think so. Have hope. I I think like the the marketing that's going around to him, the Ballon d'Or rumors, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Are we just gonna sit in that? Are we just gonna sit there? All right. Yeah. I um, basically. If we can agree that Virgil van Dijk now is probably worth 150 million, does Harry Maguire for 80 million make more sense? Mm. And if you think about it that way, you don't get too angry about the money. That makes and, sense. And, you know, Manchester United can afford the money. He's been Solskjaer's number one target all summer. He didn't, Solskjaer didn't want Alderweireld. He didn't want Koulibaly. He, he absolutely won Harry Maguire. Maguire has been pretty, been very, very professional about how he wanted to leave and go to Manchester United. He apparently did said he'd honour a complete full preseason with Leicester and he'd tr- try and make sure he's in the best condition. But also he said, if you can honour my desires to leave, that'd be great too. Um, so this was a deal that was more or less done 
a month ago, maybe a month before, but there was just a lot of stalling over other extraneous uh, clauses and whatnot in contracts. I found it particularly interesting that Manchester City tried to hijack it at the last minute. Um, so uh, we have very good reason to believe that partway through negotiations with United, the reason it got stalled was because City came in and went, hey, we can offer you money and Otamendi. Leicester went, no, we want money. <laughs> and then City went, hey, we can offer you money, Otamendi and Mangala. Uh, unless they went, no, we want money. Um, it's I loved Aaron Maguire during the 2018 World Cup. I think he's a good centre-back. I think he's a good to great centre-back. I think he's definitely Champions League quality of a centre-back. <laughs> He's Champions League quality. He's like top four quality. Harry Maguire would not be does would not look out of place in the Champions League. If he wasn't English, I think we might more of us would agree that he's a good centre back. Uh, but because he is English and you know, his nickname is Slabhead, uh, and he's got a very dramatic running style, uh, we think he's a bit clumsy. But yeah, I think I think he's, that's a B. I think look, if you gave me. The choice I would much rather have spent 120 million on Koulibaly and then paid Toby Alderweireld's release clause. Yeah, I uh, was just about to say, like the fact that Solskjaer would rather have Maguire over Koulibaly, and he's like, that's a real opinion. I think <laughs> I think this is a lot to do with Solskjaer. Solskjaer's thing now is he doesn't want to buy anyone that doesn't want to go to Manchester United. If a player is like, mm, maybe Solskjaer's like, well, I don't, then you're not coming. I think he's buying British players not because of like Brexit stuff, because but he's buying British players because he knows if you grew up with knowledge of English football, Manchester United still means something to you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Old Trafford is still a is still a big deal, rather than you know if you're this that Dybala deal uh, has just fallen through because he's like, well, I want three hundred and fifty thousand pound a week if I want to play outside the Champions League. You are less likely to say that if you grew up in the Premier League, if you grew up watching Match of the Day with Alex Ferguson on your TV every single week. Well, not every single week because of his massive beef with the BBC. But you know what I mean? And I think yeah. Solskjaer is doing this. Man United's problem for a long... Well, depending on what fans you talk to, United's problem is it's full of players that don't really care about United. So Solskjaer is making sure he buys players that really care about United, which means they're going to have to overpay. Uh, and means you're going to get players that probably are either playing in the Premier League or used to play in the Premier League very recently. So that's that. Professor Hope, your grade for this transfer is a? B. Ah, agreement. Maguire is good, but the difference between Maguire and Nicolas Pepe is United really need a defender hmm. because they have two, two bricks on their books. The the main aim is partnering someone that she knows how to do defend with Lindelof. And I've always said with Lindelof, especially seeing Lindelof at the World Cup, Lindelof is a good defender. Like Lindelof is a good tier three to defender. Maybe tier two was a good tier three defender. So if you've got two tier three central defenders, you could, two tier three defenders, potentially tier two, you can walk, walk with us. So, and also look, this is what I always say. If I have a billion in the bank account, and I spend five hundred million on a on a cactus. Why do you care whether I spend five hundred million on a car cactus? It's not your money. It's my money. <laughs> I'm supposed to spend five hundred million on a cactus. So people's issue with oh my gosh, you spent eighty million on Maguire. What the hell? So it's like United needed Maguire. They obviously have the money to spend to get him. The fee doesn't matter. You need a good defender because you have two bricks. So. For United, they have their man. Forget what the, what, what the price should be. And that shouldn't even be a hindrance 
or a cloud that hangs over Maguire because we're living in the post Neymar transfer market. There's a there's a dude called Philippe who wants for what 120, 130. So <laughs> look, man, it's 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 a difference for, for footballing world, man. So I think, yeah, look, I mean, is Maguire enough to get United top four potentially? Is Ooh. he enough to really make them win a trophy? I don't think so. Because everything still goes back to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his management style and his skill and how he gets the best out of the team and the system and the chemistry. You see, like, once you bring up Jones and Smalling, so you put those to the side, like, these are your arguments here. So that takes you from, like, an F to a D. So that's good. Then you bring up the point of, like, Eric Bailly is always injured. I think he just got injured again and he's going to be out for, like, some weeks or months. Yeah, he's So that gone. takes it to a C. Then you look at his quality. And the fact that even if Manchester City want a player, that's a pretty good indication that, you know, he's probably pretty good. So there you go. There, there's your B. I don't know if I can give it an A. He's Harry Maguire. So we'll just have, he'll, he'll have to earn his A. But, like, he, he starts with a B for me. I heard someone describe him as a Tesco finest Phil Jones, which... <laughs> <laughs> Harry Magu- if someone went, Harry Maguire is just Phil Jones, but he was fit all the time, Fine. Phil Jones is good at the things Phil Jones is good at. He's just quite bad at the things he's bad at. It's, Phil Jones is also let down by the way he looks because, like, the faces he Damn. makes and all that stuff. And the the quote where it was like, Ferguson was like, he's going to be the greatest Manchester United player of all time. Like, yeah. you set him up way too hard. Like, there was way too much expectation for Phil Jones to ever match. But um, next transfer, Moisa Ken from Juventus to Everton. I don't know what Sari is up to. But we'll have to get into that whenever we preview Serie A. But Moise Ken going to Everton. I don't know the exact number, but the fact that he's gone to Everton, um, half of what grade would you give that? This is a tricky one. Um, but I'd have to give this a B. I'm looking at Everton. Like if let's say City or Liverpool or Chelsea boss Moise Ken, then I'd probably say a C. But because it's Everton and it's like, who knows? Like, yes, he's made an amazing, great impact, but we never know how good he could be because I think Moisekin could maybe succeed where Balotelli failed. Now, Moisekin doesn't have a quarter of the talent that Balotelli has or had because I say if Balotelli actually was focused, he'd be the best striker of his generation. But the thing about it is that for a guy so young to make such an impact on the senior team for Juventus and an impact for Italy, he must have something. So I think that is actually a very, very exciting move for Everton. And for me, I am extremely um, looking forward to just to see how well he he does because it's a huge move for him. And I think it is a very good move for him. And yeah, we'll get back to what the hell Juve are smoking. But it's like, (laughs) I believe that. Correct. What may happen is he'll have Richarlison. It's one of those hard ones where like... Juventus have to shift money, have to shift players to earn money because FFP is going to hit them like a ton of bricks. Yeah, they've got a number of free signings, but those free signings are coming on like very Super large wages. wages. We know Aaron Ramsey's on 400 grand a week. <laughs> Every time you think about Aaron Ramsey, you lose it, don't you? 400 a week? 400,000 pound a week, bro. <laughs> Oh, man, you got me when I was drinking water, man. Damn, man. <laughs> this is too much. 400. Aram's on 400 bags a week, right? Ah, That's man. You need to offset some of that somehow. Rabio is also on 
north of 250,000. Elict is on north of 250,000. Please remember, very important caveat with Serie A, um, salaries in Italy are given pre-tax rather than post-tax. So just 300,000 instead of the 400. Well, you know... So basically, uh, they, 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 they needed to sell Ken in order to make money. They needed to sell someone. And I think Moise was the easiest short-term asset they could flip. That played in the position they had loads of players in. So they could. I'm sure they want to sell Douglas Costa, but Douglas Costa is, they haven't got many wingers. Or I'm sure they want to sell Sami Khedira, but they, you know, or Emre Shan, but maybe they didn't have enough players in that position. And they went, or oh, maybe that person wasn't going to be able to get you an instant 20, 30 million. I think the player that was most likely to do that was, you know, you've got an abundance of strikers. Who's the one that can get you 30 million quite quickly? Moise Ken. The fact they've got a buyback also shows me the fact that they're, they're keeping their eye on him. So if you had to give it a letter, Greg, what would you give it? I'd give it an A. I think Moise Ken is great. Um, he's a proper number nine. Sometimes I get annoyed at him because he doesn't do that much work off the ball, but he's just very much, I'm going to score. And also, that boy is never scared. We've, mm. we've spoken about this on this podcast before about how certain strikers look scared and other strikers don't look scared. And Moise Ken, that boy is not scared at all. You do not stand up to all them racist fans and have Bonucci saying nonsense. You don't get Chiellini backing you to the hill if you are scared, right? You go bear in mind, uh, Moise Ken, one of his very first times training for Juventus, nutmegged Chiellini. Um, and in the interview, they said, oh, what happened after you not make Chiellini? And he just pulled down his sock and went, that happened. And he pointed to a scar in his ankle. That boy fears no one other than his mum. <laughs> See, I think it's an eight. Everton can't go out and buy the creme de la creme of strikers, even though there's like there, there aren't that many. You can't go out and you can't buy someone that's like in the top three, four, five strikers in the world. You have to find either that next rung below that are willing to come to you just because, you know, I don't know, maybe they're like the second choice striker on a team and they aren't getting chances or something like that. Or you have to go find great young players who are willing to come. And the fact that they found Ken was always like first player born in the 2000s to score in Serie A, first player born in 2000s to start or score um, in the Champions League, like for them to get their heads on him, and just have him in their project moving forward. I think it's really good. You put him with Rashalison and all the other young players that they have over there. You you might be able to build something good. Like obviously, is it a buyback or is it like first refusal? I don't know what the clause would be. But if they have him and there's no risk of like in two years, Juventus can come back and buy him back. Great deal. And if it doesn't work, he'll still be young enough so you can flip him probably for if not as much close to what you bought him for. It's all upside if you're Everton. So I, I give that an A. I have Gary Cahill to Crystal Palace written down here for some reason. Yeah. That's a B. I mean, it, it, Gary Cahill is the things he's good at. He's very, very good at. Uh, the problems really are the fact that Crystal Palace is old. That is a old squad. They've only, I think they've only got one first team on the age of 26 now. Damn. That's worrying. That's an old Zaha's squad. Zaha's over 26? Uh, yeah, Zaha's 27. He's probably born in yeah, what, like 92? Some, I feel like I remember. Yeah, ninety-two. Yeah, yeah. There, there's only one. There's only one first teamer under twenty-six That's since one Basaka left. That's an old team. That's an old team, and they're on big, well, comparatively big wages. So that's an old squad. They haven't got many flippable assets. I should stop using that term. I shouldn't describe football players as assets. Um, sorry, but they're a team that could run into trouble quickly and be in the relegation mess if they don't start well. Um, I got one eye on Crystal Palace at the moment. 
we, we don't we don't have to grade that one half hope if you don't want to. Uh, yeah, move on. <laughs> Alice say Maxima, he's going to Newcastle. Like this, this is an A. I would watch League on games, like Nice games, just to watch him. ASF, like just he's skillful, super skillful. Like I just I love watching players like this. I don't know how good he's actually gonna be in the Premier League. Like he could be one of those players that like shows flashes, but overall his career is gonna be trash. But just the fact that he's in the Premier League and it's just easier to watch these games. A A A A A A A. Do you guys know about uh, Saint Maximum? No, I don't really know about this dude, man. You he might know him because he's the player that wore like the the Gucci headband. A Gucci headband in a in a in a football game. He's already the goat. <laughs> I just like having five star skillers, basically. <sighs> My That's one fun. is just like really Rafa. If Rafa Benitez is coming up to you and saying, "Hey, Mike Ashley." I need some money to improve my squad. I need to do this and do this. And you're going, nah, nah. And then you give all this money to Steve Bruce. <laughs> really? <laughs> Steve Bruce. <laughs> Newcastle might get relegated, actually, now that I think about it. But it'll be fun to watch. At least I have one player that's fun to watch. So do you guys have a grade on this? Like, I, I have this in here just because I like the player, but I don't know if you guys have any opinions on him. Really. Well, I, don't, I, don't say, I don't really know much about it. Just that people have said that apparently he has YouTube really comps, good strikes. Bro. YouTube compilations, bro. I encourage you to go find one. All right, let's do some rumors. Dybala is not going to United. Um, he said, if I'm going to spend a year playing European League football, I would like a certain degree of control over his image rights and would like wages close to 350000 a week. Manchester United basically went, well, if, if you're going to make these sorts of demands, you don't really want to be here. Dybala went, no, I don't really want to be here, but <laughs> let's see if it can work. Uh, and then Solskjaer went, well, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. That's Damn, that. Man. It's 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 sad. Yeah. One, your club I I, is... See, see, Carl. Just as an aside, I don't know if this will make it. Can we reference United still as your club, or is that a bit weird? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, so like your club's being rejected by Paulo Dybala. Like, damn, bro. <laughs> wait, 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 wait what's, what's wrong damn, with that, bro? Listen, Manchester United. They're the great. They're the greatest team in England. They have like what 13, 14 Premier League championships, couple few uh, Champions Leagues, like. This is this is the preeminent club in England, or at least it should be. And you're having Paula Dabala be like, nah, I don't even want to go there. Like it's not even worth it. Like, damn. Times change. Yeah. All right. Can we talk about Dybala and how unusual he is as a character, as a football player? Because I am all in on that kid. I think he's amazing. I described him a bit as a early mullet messy before he became messy. Oh, people are gonna hate you for that, man. I describe him as sometimes he reminds me of early mullet messy in that. He's sometimes is really, really good, but you can box him out of a game if you pay attention for 90 minutes and then out of nowhere, he just scores a banger out of nowhere. He's got that sort of messy style-esque of, oh, well, he doesn't seem to be doing much. Wait, what? He did what? That's what he looked like for a while. And then he fell off. He fell off. I think in the last two two seasons, he's, he's fallen off. Um, Ronaldo joining Juventus obviously has, has pushed him down to being second floor. He was number 10 at Juventus, which is a big deal. It's a big deal if you get the number 10 shirt at Juventus because that was a shirt of Platini. When they gave it to Pogba, Pogba went, this is a big deal. And they gave it to Dabala after Pogba had it. Um, you don't get the number 10 shirt at Juventus unless they think you're a big deal. And the fact they did that and then went, yeah, we want Ronaldo instead. I can imagine that hurt him. The fact that Juventus has also been like, no, we don't want you to come back. You don't want to come back because Sarri doesn't fancy him. It's sad. Dabala's also got this weird thing that I don't know what his best position is. And I don't think many people know what his best position is because he probably best operates in that Griezmann style 
second striker role where he just bounces around another striker who's also playing centrally. So if there was a Diego Costa or a Romelu Lukaku, that's the funny thing. Dabal would probably be amazing if he was playing up top with Lukaku rather than being swapped for Lukaku. Um, tell you what, Dabal would be great if he was playing off Giroud because mm. Giroud does all that sort of nippy one-touch, here we are around the near post, have fun. And I think Dabala's problem is he hasn't had that striker anymore. He hasn't had that striker to play off. And the fact that the good strike, the striker who's good at doing that at Juventus plays on the right in Mandzukic. He'll be good. He will find a club or will get to play with a striker who will turn him into the player that I think he is. And I think quite a few people think he is. He's not going to win a trophy for Argentina because no one is really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the problem with that ball and sorry is there's no clear place to put him except the right wing because he can't play like as a box-to-box midfielder. He's not really a number eight. You're not going to play him as a striker, obviously. Yeah. He's Griezmann, right? He's Griezmann. Yeah, so there's no place to put him in would-be sorry ball. That would get the best out of him. You can like you can try to shoehorn him in if you want, but it's not really going to work. What do you think about about maybe Dybala and maybe Lukaku was alluded? Raheem Sketchy made a very good good point. Like This guy like from uh, uh, Sunday Hunger, which is um, Dybala isn't very consistent. Now, I believe he's still a very talented player. And if it's me, I will try hard to... like If I'm building a team... I believe I can fit Dybala into my team. But my thing is that I think Dybala and Allegri just plainly did not work. I think he didn't fit his system, you know, um, because Dybala is very good, but he needs to be in a very particular system, in a very particular role, doing a very particular thing. He's not very versatile, you know, and he's not very adaptable. He needs to be just, you know, where all the stars align. See, if Allegri was still the manager, I would understand why they'd want to get rid of Dybala because the, the dude was hardly playing last season. So, but with Onda Sari, completely different sense of philosophy from Allegri. Why would you want to let him go? Are you not putting all your chips in on Aaron Ramsey or Dybala? Because they both play the same kind of position, pretty much. So, um... Eh, no. Ramsey's like a... He's a box-to-box, more orthodox eight. And you want to play Ramsey in like a midfield three, whereas Dybala plays slightly ahead of the ten, but not as a number nine. That's the weird thing, right? That position that, doesn't that exist. That needs to play in like a 4-2-3-1 with a recognized number 10, and then you can put him yeah, in. Oh, the problem with Sarri is he doesn't play with a number 10. Dybala wants to play in a 4-4-1-1, right? If Dybala was around, Arsene Wenger would have loved Dybala. Dybala wants to play in Dennis Burkamp's position. Just that doesn't exist. Uh, because football's changed. You need to be this universal inside forward, quasi, blah, 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 blah. And he's not quite you know, the inside forward in the same way that Martial is in that I'm going to stand on the left, but I'm also going to cut inside constantly and whack it on my right foot. He doesn't do that. He does what Griezmann does, which is there's the striker in front of me. I'm just going to cause all this like cyclone of violence. Also, my passing isn't good enough for me to drop back and be an orthodox number 10. It's kind of similar to Delhi Alley, almost. I'm squinting as I'm doing this. <laughs> We're going to skip Neymar because we've done Neymar way too much. Let's let's talk about Malcolm, and then we'll get into our preview. All right, so somebody asked us a question, and it says, we need to talk about this and where he should go next. So he points to a tweet. Um, Malcolm made his debut for Zenit and was met by racist chants and a sign saying, keep our traditions the same and don't sign black players from the club's ultras. As a result, Zenit are trying to offload Malcolm just three days after signing him, absolutely sick of him. I don't know if the second part's true. And I think Zenit 
even released on their social media, like when Malcolm made his debut and fans were clapping him. But this wasn't about just the fans in general. It was about this particular ultras group that in the past has come out and released statements about signing black players and how they want to keep just the players European or white or whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm hearing that he didn't want really to go to Russia. His agents, no. because the money was there, kind of led him to Russia rather than it was something he really wanted to do. And people are saying, well, he's the player. He should choose what goes on. But he was kind of led there by his agents. Um, so it, it seems like an unfortunate situation. Things have happened in Russia with numerous players. I mean, we could go on and on about Roberto Carlos or Chris Samba or Yaya Toure or just whomever you want to name. Hulk. Just so many, like, I remember, I think Hulk was one where the the Ultras came out and said, we don't want Hulk in our team. It's just like, yep. you should be honored to have Hulk on your team. What do you mean you don't want him? Just because you want the team to be white? Come on, guys. Yeah, I remember it was it was 2014, 2014 going to 14 when that uh, Ultras group sent a, a letter to Zenit saying a black player should never play for, for Zenit, which, yeah, 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 that was a... Uh, that was something, wasn't it? I think that was also around the same period where UEFA fined Manchester City more money for chanting at Hulk, you're not so incredible, rather than what they fined Zenit for actually saying racist stuff. So, yay. Um, there's that. What like I feel, I feel so bad for Malcolm, man. Barcelona did him dirty, right? Yeah. Let's, let's put the clock back to last season. Malcolm is Bordeaux, tearing it up, looking like anything about to get into the next not Champions League contending side, but Champions League quarterfinalist side. There was a good mm-hmm. amount of smoke and rumour saying he was to Tottenham Hotspur for a bit. Um, and then it looked as if Roma were going to buy him in the summer. And I was like, dude, that is great. Malcolm's going to be in Roma. He's going to get to play off of Ed and Dzeko, who I'm a massive fan of. And Barcelona more or less kidnapped him at the airport. I think I read a quote retreating so I'm going, Malcolm's going to be great at Roma. No, also wanted him, nabbed him, because... It was more or less a response to Usman Dembele getting injured uh, and they got Malcolm, which is great. Well, you were like, okay, fine. And then Malcolm got game time. He got game time when Dembele was injured. Um, he wasn't beloved by the uh, Barcelona fandom, but they all agreed he was better than Coutinho. One great thing about Malcolm is he doesn't shirk the nasty stuff. He's a very defensively diligent attacking player. He tracks back. Jose Mourinho would love him because he does that William style, I will always track back. And then, and then, what? Barcelona just doing this bizarre thing now where they want to get more players. So the, they went off and got, you know, Dembele came back. Then they want to go, then they went off and got Griezmann. And now they're in this weird thing with Neymar, which will most likely not happen. And I said this on two or three podcasts. If I was Malcolm and you just bought Griezmann and you're chasing Neymar, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the hell is this? You went through all this effort to hijack my signing and pick me up from the airport. And then within six months, you're like, eh, bored. Are you going to send me to Russia? To Russia? <laughs> Jesus. I know Hook like, talks about sending players to Siberia, but uh, it's cold, man. Cold world. I think I've, I, I tweeted it once the deal went through. I said, I think Malcolm going to Barcelona is going to be one of the fun what-ifs, mid-tier what-ifs of like, the next two or three years of European football. Because I think he's a B to B plus player or, and will be a borderline A minus player very, very soon. Three seasons, Bordeaux, Barcelona, Zenit, like, huh? But everyone, everyone agrees that he's done nothing wrong. I'm, I'm sad. You're gonna pay me to live in Saint Petersburg. Are you insane? 
<laughs> the hell though, man. No, you know, like I think, look, it's. it's, it's I mean, as I, as I said again, you know, racism within football and everything, no, nothing's going to stop because UEFA don't don't scare. Maybe racists do work for UEFA. I don't know. May, maybe all this thing with racist chanting and how guys are just allowed to say this certain kind of stuff. I always use the example of like, imagine if like LeBron, Kobe, or Michael Jordan like were playing in football. Do you think that it they would just accept? Hey, you know, it's just you know, it's it's part of as as Bonucci said. Well, you know, it's part of football. You know, like sometimes you don't don't provoke these ultras or else you'll be racially abused and all that kind of stuff. But the thing with Malcolm specifically is, as Carl said, he did nothing wrong at Barcelona, and I and whenever he played, he was actually one of the better players. And this just shows you that look, something's going up with Barcelona. The Us didn't do anything wrong. Everyone is not blaming the Us for, oh, he didn't score that final fourth goal in our first leg against um, Liverpool because you're too useless to defend a 3-0 lead. Even if the same guy, Dembele, was scoring winning goals. Malcolm, every time he came on and he played, he was actually one of the most effective players. Coutinho is a guy who's been trash. And Cannibal Suarez. So <laughs> I think that um, for Malcolm to end up as in St. Petersburg when... I suppose he was good at Bordeaux. From the time that he for Barcelona, he was good for, for Barcelona. I just think that he just got a very, very raw, raw deal. And my thing with Barcelona is like, okay, so, so, you, so, so basically you're saying Griezmann, Suarez, Messi, and then Dembele off the bench. Fine. If you're going to roll with that stuff, that's fine. But I think with regards to Malcolm, you, you, you need to sack your agents because your agents is, is, a, is, a, is a bomb because you shouldn't. If you're an agent and you know that your client is this good and you really believe in your client and you have any kind of inkling as to someone's footballing ability, trust me, there are a lot of teams. You can look at Sevilla, you can look at Villarreal, you can even look at uh, Monch. Look, Gladbach. they just lost Togan Hazard. He could fit very well in, in that team. Probably sending St. Petersburg. Are, are you mad? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> it's just like it's just the most random place for him to end up. It's just like, bro, and his and he's named after Malcolm X, and you got to deal with racism in Russia. Damn. Okay. All right. So let's let's do this preview, man. So our league up preview. It shouldn't last more than a minute. <laughs> do you guys think PSG will win Uber Eats League up seventh time in eight years? Maybe eight times yes. in nine. Yes. Uh, I think it's a question of how many points. We. we. <laughs> And how soon? <laughs> I I I think I'm gonna say it now, and you can play it back in the spring. PSG would have won League One by April. I'd say they're gonna win. Are they gonna win League One by more than six games to spare? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so their competition this season. Okay, so we have Leo who lost their best player. I think they finished second in the league. We have Lyon who lost Fakir. Um, I'm not sure of the ends and wait. Where's the kid? Oh, Fakir's at Betis now, isn't he? Yeah, Fakir's at hmm. Betis. Marseille wants Hamas Rodriguez apparently. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Yeah. So, it's how many points are PSG going to win this league by? Fourteen? Yeah, twelve. Sixteen. Yeah, so, so double digits, comfortable double digits. You know. Um, so yeah, that's our that's our league our preview. Maybe when when the games actually start, we'll we'll have to cover it a bit more. Um, so yeah, Premier League preview now. So this is, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time because we're going to be talking about the Premier League all season, so it doesn't have to be too much stress. So what do you guys think is going to be the top four? Remember, this will be used against you. My top four is Manchester City first, Liverpool second, Tom Hotspur third, 
Chelsea fourth, Arsenal fifth, Leicester sixth. Jesus. <laughs> 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 oh, it's the same thing for less. So United are finishing where? Seventh. Damn. Jeez. Wolves are Wolves your like eighth team? Wolves no, Wolves are ninth. Uh, Everton eighth, Wolves ninth, and tenth is Watford. That's my top ten. Man City first, Tottenham second, Chelsea third, Liverpool fourth, Arsenal <laughs> Arsenal fifth, Wolves sixth, yeah, United seventh, Everton eighth, Leicester ninth, Watford tenth. I'm going City to win the league again, unfortunately. So that'll be three in a row, yeah. Um, then Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal, United, Chelsea, Wolves, Leicester, Everton. So we're all we're all basically like, yeah, this top three is going to be City, Liverpool, Spurs. We're all very much like we have no idea who's going to finish fourth because fourth is very gettable. It like fourth is gettable, but out of Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, Leicester City, not quite Wolves, and Manchester United. But all of those teams have very glaring deficiencies, right? Chelsea have a transfer ban and a relative novice manager. Manchester United don't have a very good midfield outside of Paul Pogba and a relative novice manager. Arsenal are, have Mustafi at the back. Like they're they're all they're all very flawed enough that they probably can't get hired in fourth. But they're all slightly too flawed for us to say they will definitely finish fourth. Right? Yeah, I think I think we're all good there. Relegation. Who's 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 going to be departing us? I said twentieth is going to be Sheffield United. Uh, I said nineteenth is Newcastle. Steve Bruce has got has been relegated twice. I think he's going to do it again. And I said eighteenth is going to be Brighton. Brighton. Mm. Oh man, that's sad. yeah. I think I think Norwich are going to be safe way before we all anticipate. I think Norwich will be relatively safe for most of the season. You think Villa's going to be safe? I think Villa will squeeze it. The teams that are in real danger of getting relegated this season are Palace, Burnley, Villa, Brighton, Newcastle, and Sheffield United. And I think Brighton, I have absolutely no idea about. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. When Chris Newton was their manager and then they got rid of him and now I know even less about Brighton. So I'm just going to put them as 18th. Um, Newcastle, I don't trust Steve Bruce. Fan morale is as bad as it's ever been. They've made some in theory good signings but also I realise they've also got no centre-backs or no defence and their defence last year was a group effort right and that was Rafa Benitez going as the Newcastle as a certain Newcastle reporter said it doesn't matter who Rafa Benitez was playing last season what Rafa Benitez was truly playing against was goal difference and that's how he set his teams up as long as we don't get hockeyed we're going to survive and once you take that you remove the handbrake and your team can play a slightly higher line, which I think Steve Bruce is going to do. Yeah, they might play more expansive football and in theory start winning games 3-2 and 2-1 instead of 1-0. But I think they are going to get ruined by a Liverpool side or by a City side or even by like a very well-drilled Wolverhampton side. And I think that's going to be their undoing. It's going to cancel out all their good work. They'll just get like... Minus 11 after two games or something. Your relegated teams. Maybe you don't have to give me like the... Yeah, I want three teams you feel like are going to get relegated. Norwich, Brighton, Sheffield United. Yeah, any reasons? Or are you just like, just gut feeling? Oh, no, no, I mean, no, for me, I mean, Norwich... Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I'm not sold on them being going to be good enough to really stay in there. Brighton, for, for sure. I think by them just squeezing it last season, 
I don't think they'll have enough to really maintain it. Um, this is upcoming season. I just think like, yeah, like their run in the, in the Premier League is done. And if for Sheffield United, yeah, you know, I just don't think that the players they have, they're going to be as as good as the, the guys that will be around them. I mean, I and, want you know, Brighton relegated almost because of what they did to Hewton. Like, did he really deserve to be sacked? Like, not really. So I yeah, kind of I mean, struggle. Like, out of spite. Yeah, I, mm, I'm... When you're really peeping away from it, Brighton did have a case for sacking Hewton based on how much he had spent and so forth and the targets they wanted. They didn't really improve upon the f- subsequent season based on the I don't care. I don't care about the facts, okay? I just have feelings <laughs> and opinions, okay? And I want them to, the same way once West Brom sacked more. I don't want you guys to get promoted. Like, stay in the championship and have fun on Thursdays and Saturdays and shit. It's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I want Brighton gone. And then out of the newly promoted teams, Norwich played really well. Apparently, like, they were playing, like, extremely good football. I'm told good things about Norwich, so I'll keep them up. Sheffield seem like a team to get relegated. I don't know too much about them, but they just seem like a team that just won't won't do well. There's no way Steve Bruce lasts until May. Like that's not going to happen. He might he's, if if it's cheaper to keep him till May rather than fire him. I mean, they gave Steve McLaren a full season at Newcastle. <laughs> you know, you feel me? Yeah, but it, it, they're they're going to be like 17, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. So, unfortunately, I know Newcastle people are going to hate me, but I feel like they're going to get relegated, despite them having one of my favorite players. So, there you go. So, my three are Brighton, Sheffield, and Newcastle. Do we want to predict anything else? Like, who the best player of the season is going to be or anything like that? Like, anything you guys want on record that might make you look very smart or really stupid? Top scorer. So, Golden Boot. Who's going to win the Golden Boot, guys? Aubameyang. Aubameyang. Okay. Even though he's going to be competing with Lacazette and Pepe for goals. Interesting. Yep. Sergio Aguero. He'll be the clear, clear winner. Is, is Harry Kane like a cop-out answer? No, he didn't win it last year. And that guy's been working in the gym. You know what? No, I'm, I'm going to go with Sergio Aguero. Because I just remember Kane, he's like an ankle injury away from missing two months. Like at any given time. So I'm going to go with Aguero. I think that's safer. So we got Golden Boot. Um, player of the season. Player of the season. PFA Player of the Year. Who do you think that's going to be? Pulisic. I think it's going to be De Bruyne. I think it's going to be De Bruyne. Like, he barely played last year. Pulisic. Shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> no, why, why, why is there such an anti-American feeling? I know it's not that. Not it's just... Blonde, but why is there such an anti-American Is it guaranteed that he's going to start even? Like, once Callum Hudson-Odoi comes, you really think he's going to be starting ahead of Willie? Daniel, Daniel, you asked me a question. I gave you an answer. <laughs> I just don't believe you believe it. Politic. And that's my final answer. Pulisic. I said what I said. Okay. Uh, Carl, who do you think? Uh, I got the Bruyne. Half of has Pulisic in air quotes. Carl, who you got? You know what's going through my head? Now, this is the wrong answer. This is not my real answer. But I've got the Angola Kante song running through my head again. Kante. He's, I think Kante is going to remind us how good he is. I was going to say was. He is. He didn't stop being good. Um, but I think the player of the season will be a player at... A team that is winning the Premier League, so it's got to be a City player. And I think there is now we've got we've. I think Bernardo Silva's reached the Luka Modric anti-campaign. Mm. You know when Modric doesn't have a marketing campaign, he's got no tattoos, he doesn't have any jewelry. And I went, no, that is his campaign. His campaign is he has no campaign. I think that's going to happen. 
with Bernardo Silva. I think there's been enough football writers and enough people complaining about Bernardo Silva being overlooked that we're going to look at him a lot. Um, and he's not going to go wrong, I think. Yeah, people were really mad when he wasn't on the shortlist for the best awards. So, mm, bro, it's coming. Crazy. The anti campaign. Yo, Havo, Havo, Havo. When we talked about industry plant last week, like who was the yes, biggest industry yes. plant? How did Harry Kane end up on that list? He's an industry plant. Bro, he is the industry plant. <laughs> he is. He is the in. It is. He we missed, have. He missed the quarterfinals, semifinal. He missed mad games. He showed up we in the championship final, looked like a dud. I'm like, how is he in this list over Bernardo Silva, who won everything in England and the Nations League? We found it. And we was good. It. He might be an industry plant. No, no, not might. He is. What do you mean by might? He is. Of course he is. I don't speak in absolutes, man. I do. <laughs> I'm a Sith. I know. Okay. So, um, Carl, or have hope. Can one of you go... My phone died. Can one of you go to the um, Talking Tactics Twitter page and click the likes? Uh, Pratik Gupa asks which of the two Milan clubs will become relevant in Europe first I think that because Inter Milan are in the Champions League and AC Milan aren't in European competition I think that answers that great answer <laughs> by the way by the way can any who is Milan AC Milan's coach oh exactly exactly <laughs> it's a new dude exactly. who is it I think like the Giampiariano or something I'm not even sure exactly shout out to Hamlin man <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore <Sure>. Milanista, bro. <laughs> Wikipedia version. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the 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 team that has Conte will be more relevant than the team that we don't even know who their coach is. AJ Cool asks, who would win in a team of Jamaican descendants? Uh, Oxay Chamberlain, Danny Rose, Dini, Bailey, Walker, Sterling, Antonio, Morgan, or a team of Congolese descendants, Wambasaka, Lukaku, Tielmans. Kipembe, Ndombele, Mandana, and Nzonzi. Uh, that's not a first full 11 of either team, but... <laughs> Congo, man. All the way. The Congolese, I think. I, I think they got that bit. Yeah. <laughs> There's just more to pick. You know how big Congo is? Have you ever, have you ever looked at a map of Africa and just seen how big the Congo is? It's ridiculously big. Like This is one of those... Did you ever watch the, the scene from the West Wing when they went, the map is wrong? Yes. Yeah, that, and that, went, that, right. That blew my mind, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I have to constantly remember is how big Africa is. Also, how big India yep. is. And like, map, I've, I've been constantly looking at uh, all of my European colonizer education <laughs> has uh, <laughs> led me to believe Europe is a lot bigger than I think it is. Do you know, um, Congo so is so big, it borders Uganda and has an Atlantic port. Like, when I thought about that, like, it has a port on the Atlantic and it borders Uganda. But anyway, next question. Uh, Football Bantz says, uh, Marcello is one of the most decorated players ever, but can oh, we have an honest boy. discussion about him? He switches a lot and ignores players in better positions when passing. Also, let's consider four of the goals came from his side in 7-1 thrashing. Hashtag B-Tech Ashley Young. Hashtag exposure season. Have hope, have hope. He's attacking your boy, bro. I will say this. If you rewatch the 7-1 with the knowledge of how the result happens, you're like, yeah, they clearly, Germany clearly went, Marcello is just going to basically be playing as a left wing back and let's just exploit that half space. Marcello's great. I've spent too much time around Brazilian people for me to not believe that man is brilliant. And also that he should also, he could have played as a number 10 in like every other footballing country. Um, did he support Bossignolo? 
I feel like every footballer has, like Moro yep. or, so or, or Ronaldinho. Gonna... So I don't want to paint him with that brush, but seems to be a trend. I'm not going to, I don't know about his political views, but I'm fond of, I, I really enjoyed his piece on the Players Tribune and how he was like, yeah, I came from dirt poverty. So I'm going to be smiling all the time because I have, I can eat every day. Mm. Um, and that's what he sort of made. Have we ever had a real uh, conversation of why are you a left back with your, he's like one of the most talented footballers ever. Just like ball at feet footballers in the way that half hope would de- would define it, you don't play on the wing, you don't play in midfield. Like it's just all of this that makes sense. Now, if you again, let me hit you with some football one on one. Now, I used to play on the wing, and they used to put me on the wing because I was one of the fastest people in the school. Now, the space you have to walk with on the wing is very minimal. Hence, why you need to be a very particular kind of player to be effective on the wing. But if you're either a left-back or a right-back, you have all that space on that mm. flank to work with. So there's more space for you to manoeuvre and pretty much do your thing. So Marcelo wouldn't work well as a winger because he wouldn't have enough space for him to really um, utilise his skills and his movement. You put Marcelo in the sense of the pitch, the way in which he plays, I think you would restrict him if you now put him in the sense of the pitch where you're Footballing style needs to be a bit more intricate and a, and a bit more quicker. But so so therefore a life left back, a right back position suits him very well because he can drift in into the middle as well. But that, but the way in which he, he plays is perfect for a flank player, but with the space to maneuver that a left back or a right back has. This there's there's a rant here from uh, Sammy1679. Will HH mention Juventus in the Champions League conversation if the Danilo Cancelo swap goes through? In my opinion, Juve are just cheap. They buy the lick to get their fans happy and then a month later they weaken their team again. For me, the, those clowns in black and white are not serious. Uh, so, <laughs> have hope. How, where do you currently rank Juventus's chances of winning the Champions League? So basically, the UEFA are going to release the official, which I, I got privy to, the UEFA official list, which is UV1, Liverpool 2, Chelsea 3, Barcelona 4, I think. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry, Man- sorry. Is this the UEFA coefficients? No, no, no. no. The UEFA official Champions League favourites. They'll, they'll release it next week. They'll release it next week. If that's, if that's what happens... You're lying, bro. You're lying. Stop a bunch lying, of bro. Jokers. <laughs> so, Chelsea number three. Stop lying. So, so, <laughs> so um, Juventus, yeah. Like, I can't put them as clear favourites if they let go of Cancelo, who is a very, very, very good young player. Chelsea number three really have hope? Is I was going to lie to the people like that? <laughs> Bro, I, I stand by, by, by what I said. You realise Chelsea's, like, round of 16 max. Like, I would be more I would be more surprised if they made, like, a quarterfinal or something. That would be incredible. But, like, if they were in Europa League as, like, a third-place team, like, that would surprise me. Although I think they're in pot one, so maybe that gives them an advantage. But anyway... This has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. We thank everybody who asked a question. Remember, the tweet for question goes out every Monday, as basically as soon as I remember to put it out. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, all those places. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. Apple Podcasts, remember to subscribe. It's free. Hit the button. Push the goddamn button. Rush hour. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. And what else? What else? Yeah. If you're a Patreon, remember you'll get your 30 to 40 minutes of Talking Tactics Extra whenever you feel like looking it up. Have hope. Where can the people find you? So find me on Twitter at HalfHopeHot. You can find me on Instagram at the HalfHope. You can find me via the website HalfHopeFootballHot, and you will not find me on the streets. Call Anchor. Where can people <laughs> find you? You can find me at Anchorman616. You can find me at The Athletic. Uh, it's going to be a fun season. Can't wait.
Hmm. Indeed. I'm at Daniel to look where I talk in Texas again. Talking Texas podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. We'll see you guys That's next week. That's not we normally do it. I know, but it worked. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Talking Texas Extra. What's going on, people? This is going to be a heavy one, I guess. Um, oh. If we can link this to football in some way. I was watching SportsCenter yesterday. And they showed the highlight of DC United playing the Philadelphia Union. I don't watch that much MLS, but it is what it is. And Alejandro Bedoya, who is a 32-year-old player from Inglewood, New Jersey, according to this Google search I just did, plays for the Philadelphia Union. And he scored a goal. It was a decent goal, hit the post, went in. Um, They celebrate or whatever. And he runs, you know the boom mic? Mm. Um, so there's a boom mic so near the corner flag. So when you kick a corner, people on TV can hear that you know the corner was kicked or whatever. Just kind of give the people on TV a, a, a feel of the of the game. And they celebrate. Then he runs to the boom mic, and he says, "I should probably get the quote as well. Get that direct." Yeah. Um, he says, "Congress, hey, Congress, do something." And this was in relation to the two mass shootings that happened in the United States, one of which was in El Paso, um, El Paso, Texas. And then later that day, another mass shooting happened in Dayton, Ohio. And Sports Social Podcast Network.